The views expressed herein reflect the views of the Whistler Agency as of the date of publication. These views may change as conditions change. The views expressed herein are not intended and should not be construed as investment advice, and they do not address any individual's specific situation. Welcome to Whistler While You Retire with Tim Whistler from the Whistler Agency. Here you will learn how Tim helps clients avoid taking unnecessary risks in retirement. With a fiduciary responsibility, Tim's mission is to help retirees and soon-to-be retirees create a greater sense of confidence about their retirement plan. Now, on to the show. We are creatures of habit, and while a change may be in our best interest, we often fight it. It's stressful. And when we finally do take action, we may increase that stress and blame ourselves for creating the situation. I'm Patrice Sikora with your host, Tim Whistler, who is an advisor, has seen this play out many times. But you know, Tim, there is another option. Don't do anything. <laughs> Very well said, Patrice. And, and that is certainly true. You know, despite knowing that, you know, a change may be in our best interest, we would like to think that the answer is just to, you know, lie real still. Don't, yeah. don't do anything in hopes that it'll just disappear, right? But we know that's not the case. You know, change is certainly not easy, um, but sometimes it's absolutely necessary. You know, if we need to solve a problem or maybe improve a situation. And uh, before we get into the details of this, when I think of the word change, just share a real quick story. Um, this was a few years ago when our oldest son, Cameron, was in senior year of his high school. And he was thinking about wanting to join the Air Force, which we thought was a great idea. Mm -hmm. So Ron and I uh, take Cam over to the local uh, recruiting office and we're sitting there and, and the, the recruiter had, there's three chairs across from his desk. So he had Cameron sit right in the middle and Ron and I are on each side of Cameron. And he, he laser focused right in on Cameron. It was like Ron and I weren't even there. We were just kind of just witnesses of this conversation, which was great. And we're going through this and he's explaining the options of the Air Force and what it would be like to try to get in, you know, enlisted and enrolled and et cetera. But what was really, really cool about it was at the very end of the conversation, he goes, Cameron, let me give you some advice. No matter what you decide to do, whether it's the Air Force or a whole other different career, whatever you decide to do, just remember three words, adapt to change. Hmm. And I just thought, how powerful of a message for this guy, you know, wearing his fatigues and, and getting this, you know, this Right. Very professional looking office to to say that to our 18-year-old son. And we're just like, if if Cameron would always remember that, if, if I could always remember that, you know, how much better can our lives possibly be? And every now and then I find myself just throwing that little nugget out there to Cameron. Hey, buddy, you remember what that recruiter said to you? Yeah, I know, dad. I know. So <laughs> we as humans just don't like change, but I think sometimes it's just inevitable when we need to maybe improve a situation or solve a problem. So why do we fight change? I mean, I'm I did mention stress. But are there other reasons? You know, the, the, there really are. With a lot of the continuous education and the advanced training that I go through to make sure that I am up to speed um, as an advisor and helping clients solve problems, we, we go through the psychology of this world that we live in. You know, retirement's very simple. You just stop working. But man, that's where the fun begins right after that. And the psychology behind it is very important for us to understand. So, you know, here's just a few common ones as, as I'm looking at here at my notes, so I, I didn't forget some of these. You know, number one, I think fear of the unknown. Mm. You know, it, it can be absolutely terrifying to step into unexplored territory. We've never done this before. We don't know what it looks like. Um, and that can sometimes lead to 
to another fear, you know, that fear of failure. Well, well, what if this change makes things worse? And so sometimes that fear of the unknown can, can really pull us back as well. You know, another one, just like you mentioned in your opening comments, sometimes considering making a change, sometimes we put that burden on ourselves, maybe it, it, which kind of insults our intelligence. So for example, you know, it was my decision to keep doing what I've been doing all these years, right? I'm speaking in the minds of, of the prospect now, you know, but when things aren't going well, um, you know, having to make a change, sometimes we take that as meaning as that I've made a mistake. And that's, that's not the case, you know, just because something didn't go right with our portfolio for the number of years, or all of a sudden we had a bad year, um, you know, that's not really a mark against our intelligence. It's not like we should know everything there is to know. So I think sometimes, you know, that being hesitant to make a change is kind of a reflection of our intelligence. No, I, I really should know what's going on. I really don't need to make a change. Um, I think another one is comfort zone. Oh, right? uh, yeah, definitely there. <laughs> we are creatures of habit. We do not want to move. I mean, just how my desk is arranged right now. Holy <laughs> cow, it took me weeks to get my head wrapped around taking my desk and shifting it. <laughs> so I had a little bit more of a favorable background, but because we have know, to think we have to think when we change something like that. Exactly right. You know, so despite a problem arising with our current situation, um, we don't want to change what is familiar. You know, this is the way I've always done this. If I wait long enough, it'll go back to the way it was. We, we just want to remain in that comfort zone. And another one I think is somewhat relative is social pressure. You know, hmm. is anybody else making this change? I don't want to be the only one doing this. I don't want to swim against the current, you know? So these are just, I think, some of the internal arguments or dare I say excuses as to why we resist change. But when it comes to something like finances, I can see so many of those playing a role. The, the you know, is everybody else doing it? This is private. How do people know what we're doing with our finances? Right, exactly. And and I think that, you know, whether somebody's already working with an advisor or if they have been maybe self-managing their portfolio, you know, I believe again that many people are simply resistant to that change because of that fear. That fear is an incredibly powerful emotion. And, you know, so for example, you know, as I'm looking back at my statement for 2022, I'm, I'm speaking in terms again of, of somebody just listening. I'm looking at my 2022 statement and I see that I lost whatever it was, 12, 15, 18%. It's frustrating to accept the fact that our holdings failed us, right? So whether it was, again, the recommendation of the advisor, or maybe based upon our decisions and our own, um, you know, decision-making or, or the, the the resources we looked at, you know, um, we don't want to see those losses. So why don't we like the change to our finances? Well, I think, again, there's a few points. You know, number one, I have what I have today because of the decisions that I made in the past. So a new strategy, if I incorporate a new strategy, that may impede positive performance for the future. I don't want to disrupt it. Yes, it was a bad year, but maybe I just don't want to possibly make things worse. Maybe I don't want to give myself an opportunity for some growth if I make a change. Okay. Number two, I've been doing this for decades. Why do I need to change anything? Right. Sometimes the script from the advisors are like, now, remember, this is a long-term plan. We're going to have hiccups in the road, right? Um, if you change something now, you may miss out on something. You know, it'll it'll bounce back. It always does. I I know, <laughs> I know the script. I was trained on the script 20-some years ago. And I'm just like, yeah, no, it needs to go a little bit deeper than that. You know, so 
so here's how I like to explain this to folks when we're thinking about the realization that things probably aren't where they should be, especially when we're either in retirement or quickly approaching retirement. And now we need to have that income. So, so let's look at it through a different lens. Okay. So think in terms of the number of years that you worked to build your portfolio, all those decades of saving and sacrificing and contributing to the 401ks and the Ross and everything that we did during those decades of building our wealth. Okay. So let's keep the math simple. Very, very simple. Let's say you work for 40 years to build your portfolio. Mm -hmm. And then here comes along a bear market and it wipes out 15% of your account value in a short amount of time. Okay. So losing 15% of your account value from a portfolio that took you four decades to build, it's like losing six years of sweat equity in a short amount of time. So 15% of 40, like I said, is, is six. We just lost six, like six years of, of our time. So initially experienced the emotion of that anger or that frustration to the realizing that, man, something really does need to change. We can't afford to experience another bear market no matter how long it'll last. We don't know how deep it'll go. And that's why we talked about the importance of that in episode um, 27, right? sequence of returns risk. So I think that's why just trying to help people understand that we are hesitant to change with our finances, but we have to look at it through the lens of, okay, you've built this portfolio for decades. We can't afford a few bad months to possibly devastate the value of it when it comes to income that you're going to need for your retirement. So what do we do? How do we get over this resistance? Well, I, I think there's there's a couple of different ways we can do that. And I just, again, I just wrote down a couple of the different bullet points here. I think number one, we need to acknowledge that this is an emotional aspect. It, there's emotion built into it, right? It's normal to feel that range of emotion that can come from considering a change. So for example, if we put the emotions on a spectrum, at one end, we've got joy. Hey, if I make this change, this could fix my problem. We're elated. We're happy. We're like, okay, this is great. The other end of the spectrum is what we've already talked about, fear. What if things get worse? So just acknowledge that there's going to be some emotions involved with considering the change. That's the first point. I think the second point is now we need to bring in the other aspect. We need to bring in logic. Okay, we, we've addressed emotion. We know emotions there, but we have to understand the logic behind it. If I keep doing what I've been doing, I'm going to keep getting what I've been getting, hmm. right? Ups and downs, emotions are all over the place. It's great when the market's up. It's horrible and, and fearful when the market's down. But if you don't make a change, guess what's going to continue to happen to you for how many years that you keep things where they're at, okay? I think this another element of the logic is being able to answer the question, well, is there a solution? Is this the way it's always going to be for me? Because I've ridden the ups and downs of the market for decades while I built my portfolio. So I guess I have to ride the ups and downs of the market in retirement. Is there not even a solution that, that exists? And if we don't believe that a, a solution exists, do we really give ourselves a chance to move forward with making a change, making a change to improve a situation or to solve a problem that we have? And a lot of times think, well, if I've never heard about this, then it's too good to be true. Here comes the skepticism, right? That gets triggered. Right. So I, I think that, you know, the emotion, the logic, and then I think the third point is truly having a belief that a solution does exist. 
that if we make the change, if we make the change based upon informed and educated decision, um, the pain can be cured. And I found this very interesting not too long ago in doing some research, I came across a statement that they talked about how the human being would react to one of two options. If given the choice between realizing a gain or avoiding pain, most people would pick avoiding pain, right? Think of gym memberships. <laughs> Why don't we want to go to the gym? <laughs> we don't want to deal with the pain of a diet, not really a pain of, you know, just not be able to eat what we want to have to go through the work that's involved, the pain of trying to maybe get in a little bit better health. Well, you know, if a solution exists and the pain can be cured, now my situation can improve. I no longer have to deal with this issue. And I think it, it's important for us to open our mind to consider the validity of the solution. In other words, just because we haven't heard it before doesn't mean it didn't exist. Why haven't we heard it before? Because when we were building our wealth, we weren't so concerned with the ebbs and flows of the market as we will be in retirement. Because now when you're taking income and the account value goes down, now that can completely derail the plan. So therefore, just because we haven't heard about it before doesn't mean it doesn't work. We just have to figure out how it can work for us. All right. You've got your spectrum there. Joy to pain. Where does cynicism come in? <laughs> that's that's got to be pretty close, <laughs> leaning more towards the fearful, maybe right in the middle almost. You're like, yeah, I or, can see the benefits, but. <laughs> or, or maybe I'm thinking it's pervasive no matter what. Right. Absolutely right. It's a good point. <laughs> well, when you talk to your clients for the first time or a prospective client, how mm -hmm. do you approach this? You know, I, I think one of my favorite things to do in, in my downtime is I love to read. Um, I read a lot of different books, not only just on my topic and my industry that I live in, but just also reading about other people. And, and one of my, I just, I, I love Napoleon Hill and Thomas Edison and Henry Ford. And one of my favorite quotes was when Henry Ford was quoted by saying, if I had asked people what they wanted, they would have said faster horses. <laughs> True. <laughs> and that is just such a yeah. neat statement. So basically I kind of take that analogy. And when I'm engaging with that prospect for the first time, whether it's somebody who's listened to a podcast or heard me on the radio or attended a webinar, and now they've raised their hand and say, yeah, I'd like to talk with you. Here's kind of the experience of, of that conversation. Number one, we walk through what is on their mind. I want to understand why are they reaching out? What issue or concern or problem are they looking to solve? Um, was it something they just maybe recently experienced, maybe because of the, of the 2022 market, or maybe because of having to see what finances are being done to their parents' assets because one of them had to go into a facility or had to bring in in-home health care, or maybe it's something they're about to experience. You know, we're, we're realizing, holy cow, we're about two years away from retirement. Maybe I need to talk to somebody to kind of make, maybe sure I've got a plan involved. So we kind of, I want to kind of understand what's their mind. Why are they reaching out? Uh, number two, I like to find out how long have these concerns been on their mind? Everybody's a little bit different. So it kind of helps me understand the philosophy. Where where are they at with that priority? Is this like, you know, is the what's the issue doing to them physically? Is, is this keeping them, if it's so high up on the level, is it keeping them up at night? Um, is it causing anxiety? Um, you know, and, and I ask the question as well, you know, how long have you been looking for ways to address your concern? Again, that just kind of gives me an idea of what, where they're at emotionally with this, with this process. And you remember back in your intro, when you said, 
you know, again, Tim, we, we could just do, don't do anything, right? Just leave it right where it is. And that's a great point because a lot of times in my, in my interview with them, I try to my best remember to ask the question, well, have you thought about what would happen if you don't do anything about this? And then to understand in their minds, is there a solution? You know, like, for example, do you have awareness of a solution? So for example, I asked the question, you know, if you solve this problem, how would things be different for you? Um, what would that do for you personally? And then how do you see the benefits of solving the problem? So basically, I just kind of walk through. We'll get to the numbers. They know that I'm going to talk about numbers, but the numbers are the numbers. Those are just, they're, they're amoral. They're not good. They're not bad. They're just there. But for me to be able to figure out whether or not I'm a good fit for them and or if they're a good fit for me, I need to understand kind of the, you know, the, the, the important points, the talking points or what's in their mind, what are they looking to solve and what the solution might do for them. So then the first step is you're trying to find out what they want to solve, correct? That's exactly right. Okay. You now know that. Yep. What's the next step? How do you help them? So now at that point, now we kind of start going into the numbers, right? They, they know what we're going to talk about. So we go through what I call the conversation of discovery, right? We're going to take inventory of the numbers. And what I mean by that is, okay, what are the numbers? Income, social security, pension, um, required minimum distributions, you know, income coming in, sources, amounts, um, you know, what happens if if husband and wife, one of them passes away, what happens to the stream of income, et cetera. Then we talk about their assets, 401ks, IRAs, Roths, et cetera, you know, non-qualified accounts, take inventory of all those assets, um, any, any insurance policies, any life insurance, maybe for the surviving spouse, maybe for the kids or grandkids. Uh, what about maybe a long-term care policy? Do we have what, do we not have it? If we do, how does it work? So we're going to inventory all those assets. Then we're also going to do um, a little bit of an exercise on expenses. Because mm -hmm. a lot of people think, well, how much do fun I need? Part. Yes, the fun, the fun part. part. Yes. That's, right. <laughs> That's right. We're going to talk about expenses because they're very real. The expenses are what really will drive the lifestyle we're going to have in retirement. If I just meet somebody on the elevator and they're like, well, hey, I hear you on the radio. Or I heard a podcast. So how much do I need in retirement? I'm like, <laughs> I don't know. What do you want to do? <laughs> I mean, so having our expenses tracked both for current and future will allow us to add that all together where I now can input that into the software that I use and simply provide back to them what I call a current scenario assessment. Mr. and Mrs. Prospect, this is what you shared with me. This is what it looks like on paper right now. And then they can see it from a year-by-year -year analysis as well as big picture, all right? So this is kind of where, when, when we kind of talk about this, this is where they now can say, okay, this is kind of where I'm at. So at that point, now it's kind of up to them. If they then say, okay, yes, Tim, this makes sense. We, we, we see here on this report that maybe we need to issue, maybe we have a tax issue that we didn't think we had. Or if we don't, since we don't have maybe a long-term care plan in place and we know Medicare is just a short-term solution, we now need to figure out what asset we want to exhaust if one of us needs that extended care. So now they might raise their hand and say, okay, yes, we would like to work with you and your team from there, now I can serve them as that fiduciary because I'm, you know, I'm not a fiduciary to, to prospects. I'm just simply providing information, but to put together the recommendation for a client, once we've gone through that discovery, once they've come to the point of saying, yes, we, we probably do need some, maybe some recommendations for this or that. Now I can provide them options that are in their best interest. And then I can talk them through the details of that recommendation. So you've presented the solutions that are possible. 
do they do they you say they look at and they say, oh yeah we see this we see this but do they understand the benefits of having a solution to the problem or to the to the question i won't call it a problem but to the question absolutely no it's, it's a great point i want to share my screen here with you real quick because i think this nice little visual aid here um will, will really really help um can you see my screen there yes. okay yes the, the mountain yes your financial life yep so again just think in terms of climbing a mountain and descending a mountain it, with our financial life. There's two phases to that. And in our working years, which we call the accumulation phase, again, that's the year that we're trying to just save enough. That's why I have that in that red letter there. Saving enough is our biggest challenge when it comes to accumulation, because what else is going on? Well, we walk through our stages of life, right? We get out of college or we get into our career, whatever the case may be. We're buying a house. We're getting married. We're raising kids. We're putting braces on kids. We're paying for auto insurance premiums. We're, we're marrying kids off. I mean, paying down a mortgage. You've got all of these expenses that are taken away from our ability to build wealth. So our biggest challenge is trying to save enough, right? But we go through that 40-year period of time, 40, 45 years. Now we're going to retire. Now we reach the mountaintop. Now we have to come down the other side of the mountain. And this is the phase, what we call the distribution phase. And it's got more our, red boxes. Yeah, we don't like to see the red boxes. Yeah. But unfortunately, they're there because as soon as we bring in the element of distributing income from assets, now here comes a whole slew of challenges that we didn't face in the building phase because of the fact of now you're taking income from an asset. If that asset is exposed to market volatility and you're taking income from it, guess what that might do to the livelihood of your income? You could shorten it. Now you're taking income from tax deferred accounts. The IRS is saying, hey, hello, remember uh, remember us? Mm -hmm. You deferred us for 40 plus years. Now we get our bill, right? Healthcare, we got to pay for health expenses. Survivorship, husband and wife go into retirement together. One of them ex it, you know, expires, passes away way too soon, way too young. Now the surviving spouse has to go through retirement by themselves because the passing of a spouse can also maybe mean that there's a loss of income. Maybe if there's two social security benefit checks coming in, the lower of two goes away. If there's a pension that's coming in, how much does, does the surviving spouse get of the pension? And then longevity. You know, we talked about this before. We may live 20, 25, maybe even 30 years in retirement. That longevity can simply usher in all those, all of these other different, you know, these different challenges. So therefore, what we try to help people understand with this very simple visual aid is the fact that there's still an ROI that exists. When we're building wealth, that ROI is all about return on investment. We want those assets earmarked for retirement to build and build and build as, as great as they can be. But when it comes time for retirement, the ROI now needs to be what we call reliability of income, because that's exactly what will fund the retirement lifestyle that, that people have. So to answer your question, just kind of going back here to the benefits, you know, what are the benefits? Well, I think it really comes down to, to three points. I think number one, they'll now have a roadmap and a guide. So when I think of a guide, I'll, I'll take you back to the story. I remember years and years ago, my dad working for Caterpillar, getting two weeks for a vacation, two or three weeks vacation every year. And as far back as I can, I can remember, one of those weeks would always be a trip up to Canada to go fishing. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, my father loved to fish. I mean, he, 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 so I was introduced to fishing through my dad. I've, I've fished more in Canada than I have anywhere else in the country <laughs> because I'm not really an outdoorsman, but I always enjoy those times with my dad. And I remember going up there and getting to the lodge and now you see nothing but pine trees and water. That's all you see. <laughs> so you get in the boat, you got a guide running the motor. I'm in the front, my dad's in the middle and we're just going through this lake and we would go for 20, 30, sometimes 40 minutes. And he would turn a corner. I look back. It looked the same. And I'm like, dear Lord, I hope this guy does not have a health problem because we're going to die out here. How, how would I get back? Right. I don't know where we're going, but the guide knows where we're going. So in the solution that we can provide to clients, that first point, having a roadmap and that guide that way, then I don't think we'll hear verbiage like I've heard in the past. I hear verbiage when I talk with people initially, where people are, where I'm, where I'm like, okay, walk through me, walk me through where you're at right now. Patrice, I've heard things like, I'm flying by the seat of my pants. Um, I need to have a plan. Um, it feels like chaos. Okay. We walk through the discovery. They realize they, they do have a solution available to them. And when we can provide that roadmap, that analysis and the guide that can walk them through that, you know, that analysis can be re- reviewed consistently. Updates and modifications are made when needed, and it helps keep us on track. So I think that's the first benefit of what that solution will do for them. Number two is clarity. When you think about the fear of the unknown, we have fear because we don't know where we're going. We don't know what to experience. Therefore, it lacks clarity. I'm going through some advanced training right now. Um, Jeremy and, and my, my, a lot of my other friends and advisors from Insuremark are going through the same training. And I'm going to share a quote that was just shared with us in our most recent training session when Stephanie Bogan, our trainer, said this, when the vision is clear, the decisions are easy. Clarity, right? It can reduce and eliminate that fear of the known, unknown. The journey is still new. We've not yet retired before. We've not walked through this threshold of the accumulation phase to the distribution phase, but now it doesn't seem quite as scary because we have the roadmap. We've got a guide. We've got some clarity. We can kind of see what lies ahead before us. And I think that last benefit, I think one of the most important ones, we now give ourselves permission. Permission, permission for what, Tim? Permission to spend your money. When a plan is in place, it gives you a license to spend your money and fund the lifestyle you desire. Because now when, when we've gone through, we, we think back to episode 35, when we did that one, we talked about the balancing. I remember I kind of walked everybody I, through that simple teeter-totter, yeah. right? The seesaw, the teeter-totter. When we walk through that analysis and we can now identify the buckets for conservative, moderate, and aggressive, we've identified and addressed those red challenges we just talked about. And we have a plan in place. We've got a document that can be that can walk right alongside of us. You've got the guy that can walk along and partner with us. I think now the solutions can become very real to people and give them that opportunity to say, okay, I think we are going to be okay because now as life throws curveballs at us, because we know life happens without our permission all the time, at least though now we can adapt to change. There's that key phrase again, and it gives us an opportunity to realize the solution that helps solve those problems to realize the re- ideal retirement that I think most of us dream about. And I think you just hit on something so important. It's permission. We don't give our, ourselves permission to really do anything. Right. We're afraid to give ourselves permission. 
It's exactly right. And, and we've talked about this before too, Patrice, where I've used the phrase if come versus income. Mm-hmm. Completely different. If we, you know, people on a treadmill don't need a map. They just keep, they just keep treading or treading right along. They don't need a map. They're just going to keep doing what they're doing. Okay, great. If we keep doing what we've been doing all along, riding the ups and downs of the market. Okay. Well, that's kind of what I define as if come. Well, if the market does well, and if it doesn't take a big crash, and if it doesn't come back too soon, if you don't take out too much money, you should be okay. Do we want to live that way? Or should we maybe have a plan in place that says, well, when the market does this, and when one of us passes away too soon, and if long-term care expenses come up, we've got a plan for those types of place, types those types of situations that are put into place. That way, then we can kind of have that plan of income despite having if come. In your experience, Tim, when do people seem to start to come around to realize they need a plan? They need to start thinking about a plan, a roadmap. I think, um, unfortunately, I think a lot of people almost have to experience something. You know, we, again, just being, not being, trying to be cruel or anything like that. We're creatures of habit. We just kind of go along our merry way. And as long as nothing really bad, as long as the storm clouds aren't coming in, we're okay. Yeah. Well, does it take a storm to maybe wake us up a little bit? Does it take a 2022 or 2008 to say, holy cow, you know, I don't have the time to recover if another one of those years happens, when another one of those years happens. So I, I think, you know, some people raise their hand and say, Hey, I need, I need some help here because of what, like I said earlier, maybe something they already experienced, or maybe there are other people out there who are very proactive. I talk to people consistently that are seven, eight, you know, some five, 10 years away from retirement. Um, You know, I don't think that's, I certainly think that's a good thing. We're not obviously executing the initial income plan yet, but we can certainly maybe make some tweaks along the way as we get closer to that time frame. All right. Well, Tim, how can people reach you? So they can reach us a couple different ways. They can reach me by my phone. Uh, my phone number is area code 309-291-0491. They can send me an email at tim at thewhistleragency.com. And there's still no T in Whistler. <laughs> and this is a decision that's very easy to make. Contact Tim, ask some questions, get some guidance, and follow the podcast. Also, share it with others. Thanks for being with us. Thank you for listening to Whistler While You Retire. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of the Whistler Agency. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Investment advisory and financial planning services offered through Simplicity Wealth LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Insurance, consulting, and education services offered through the Whistler Agency. The Whistler Agency is a separate and unaffiliated entity from Simplicity Wealth LLC. This podcast is designed to provide general information on the subjects covered. Pursuant to IRS Circular 230, it is not intended to provide specific legal or tax advice and cannot be used to avoid penalties or to promote, market, or recommend any tax plan or arrangement. For insurance products discussed, guarantees are backed by the financial strength and claims-paying ability of the issuing insurance company.